to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Amen. What a great way to begin worship. I am just always amazed and reminded of how blessed we are to have this amazing team to lead us in worship. So Trenton, we just so appreciate all that you do to lead us in worship. Today, we are continuing our sermon series on beginnings, looking at the book of Genesis. And today, we are going to take a closer look about how God begins to bless God's people. Now, over the past several weeks, we've covered a lot of what has been in these first chapters of Genesis. We've read about creation, about Adam and Eve, and how they ate the forbidden fruit. By chapter 6, like that's not very far into it. By chapter six, humans were really out of control and God decides to wipe them out, except for Noah and the animals and his family. And during that time, God made a promise that he was not ever going to do that again, even if humans kept messing up. And the good news is, is that God keeps God's promises. Because following Noah, we get to the Babel generation where humankind is trying to play God again. It's really not good. And then there are some genealogies in chapters 10 and 11 of Genesis that allow us to see that Abram and Sarai, who will later be named Abraham and Sarah, are at the end of the family line of Noah. And what we know about Abram and Sarai is that they are far past their childbearing years. So it would seem that we've come to the end of the line. They are in a barren place. And I imagine that it felt hopeless. What else is there to do? Where else is there to go? Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann describes it as a place where there's no foreseeable future. There is no human power to invent the future. Humans cannot play God in this case, no matter how hard they try. So we're left asking this question, what is God going to do now? And God does something big. He makes the most incredible announcement that Israel has ever heard. And we're going to read it in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through the first half of verse 4. But before we read our scripture, let us go to God in prayer. Let's pray. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God of us all, we do thank you for the gift of your word to us. We ask that you would help us to hear where you are speaking this morning with open ears and open minds and open hearts so that we might respond to you in a way that is pleasing in your sight. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. So listen now for the word of our Lord. Again, this is Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Up until this particular passage in scripture, we've read about God's relationship with creation and the world in general. But this is the first time God is addressing a specific people. And this chapter marks the beginning of God's covenant with Israel. And instead of a curse, God decides on blessings. We see here in this passage, the speech of God overcoming the barrenness of human reality. Brueggemann also states that there is no real genesis, no new beginning for barren people apart from the reality of this God. That is so powerful. There isn't any new beginning for a barren people without the reality of our God. God blesses Israel and promises them and all people a future. God is giving them a gift through these blessings and God intends for Israel to spread those blessings to the world. Now I wanna take a minute and look at the word blessing because how we understand this word is important to understanding this particular passage. Oftentimes we refer to blessings as things that we want coming to fruition. Oh, thank you, God. It was such a blessing that there were no red lights on the way to church. Or thank you, God, that you blessed me with this amazing meal. And maybe that is a blessing. But sometimes there are things that we want or we're hoping for that maybe are not in accordance with God's will, that we haven't prayerfully considered. And a true blessing is a special favor or mercy or benefit bestowed by God. Blessings are gifts from God that are in accordance with God's will. And when we talk about these blessings that God bestows in this passage, we can look at the larger story of Israel and we can see that God gives God's word and through it reveals the way to choose life over death, blessing rather than curse. And as Christians, we can further see this blessing through the saving work of Jesus who reconciled creation with creator. This grace and mercy given to each one of us even when we don't deserve it. Theology professor Frederick Needner says that these views of blessing hang on one single theological promise, that God chooses to remain intimately connected with the creation Given the nature of God's commitment, God will not give up on people no matter what. And God demonstrates that in scripture over and over, time and time again, God chooses blessing instead of curse. A few years ago, I heard a parent sharing the way they handle discipline in their home. They have this thing called a consequence jar. And so when their children do something bad, they send them to this consequence jar that's got these popsicle sticks inside. And so the kids have to pull it out and whatever it says is their consequence, like no TV for a certain amount of time. You get the idea. 
So of course, the children don't like going to the consequence jar. But here's the thing. The parents also put in that jar these popsicle sticks that had the word grace written on them. And so if their child goes to the jar and happens to pick out a popsicle stick that says the word grace, then that's exactly what they got. Their parents' favor and mercy of not getting the consequences they were due. And this was to remind them of God's grace and mercy. Now, we don't do this in our house, and honestly, my kids would probably sneak in a whole bunch of grace popsicle sticks, but I know exactly how much that probably means to the child when they go and they pick out that popsicle stick that says grace. They're ecstatic. This is a gift. This is a blessing. And this is the kind of mercy and grace that God shows in this passage to Israel and ultimately to all of us. The gift of these blessings given is clear. But as with any gift, it must be openly received. And sometimes we don't exactly receive the gifts of blessing. And you might be thinking, well, of course we do. We want to think, if God's giving me a blessing, I'm going to receive it with open arms. But sometimes I'm not sure that we always realize what are blessings in our lives. Sometimes we don't realize it because it's not something that we expect. It's not something we even asked for or understand or want. So let's take a look at Abram in his situation here. Before the blessing part of the passage, God gave Abram a command. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So I got thinking about Abram and, and this command that God's given him. And I started to think, gosh, how would I react? And if I was in Abram's shoes, this is truly how I think I would have responded to God. Hey, God. Thanks for the promises of blessing, but I don't really think it's a great idea. For one, if I leave here, I'm going to be putting my family in danger, and you wouldn't want me to do that, right? It's not safe to leave my family's land. This is where our security is. This is where our protection is. Even if it's hopelessly barren, at least I know it, and it feels safe. Plus, I don't even know how to get to this land that you're talking about, so that feels kind of reckless. And I know you say you're going to bless me and that you're going to make a great nation from me, but in case you didn't notice because I look so good, I'm old. It is not humanly possible for me to have kids. I just don't see how that could work. And I know you said you're going to make my name great, but how? What do I really have to offer? There is nothing that is significant about me to offer the world. In fact, I'm thinking that maybe I heard you wrong. Is there any chance you want to repeat that a little more clearly? And there you have it, folks. If I had been in Abram's shoes at this crossroads, I think the outcome would have been very different. Have you ever been at a crossroads where you feel God nudging you one way, but it's terrifying? And there are a lot of excuses that you can make that maybe even feel plausible. 
How many times do we choose the easy or the comfortable road over listening to those places where God is calling us? We say things like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Or, I really like how things are right now. Let's not upset the status quo. Or, I'm not equipped for that. I've shared before my own story about my call to ministry and how I had a lot of those kinds of conversations with God. And I won't tell you the whole story, but in a nutshell, I told God, It didn't make sense at that time in my life. I was about to get married. I loved my teaching career, and I was happy to stay longer. How was I even going to pay for seminary? But the nudges wouldn't stop. And I'm grateful, grateful for mentors like my pastor at the time, Lane Alderman, who challenged me to listen to God's call and to follow it. I am certain God was calling me on this journey to ministry, and it has been a blessing. But honestly, it's one that I look back on and think I could have very easily missed it just to stay in my comfort zone. We don't know a lot about Abram up to this point in Scripture, but we see in this passage that Abram clearly had faith. There was seemingly no back and forth with God. It's really making the rest of us look bad. But the scripture says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. God chose to bless Abram through him and bringing blessing to all people. And this is truly significant and an important blessing that continues to be referenced in the New Testament and it continues to be important for us today. God gave a blessing to Abram and used him to share it with others. And like I said, we don't know a lot about Abram up to this point, but I think that's actually what's important here. It isn't about who Abram was or his worthiness for this big call God placed on his life. It's about who he became with God's help, living into God's call for him. I mentioned that we see this being referenced in the New Testament, and it's especially prominent in the Gospel of Luke, where there's a lot of emphasis on the unqualified. The Abrahamic references suggest that Jesus, after the model of Abraham, is the way that unqualified outsiders are blessed and able to be a blessing. I've said this before, and I will say it again because I think it's such an important reminder that we need to hear God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. God called Abram. God blessed Abram. And Abram responded. And through his response, God equipped him to share God's blessings with the world. With God's help, Abram was truly blessed to be a blessing in ways that I am certain that he couldn't imagine or fathom. And God calls every one of us to participate in sharing the blessings of God, the good news of God's love and grace and mercy with the world. The question is, how will we respond? Will we listen? Will we be open to where God is leading? Will we be faithful and go? What does this look like in your life? We all have different calls, different things happening in our lives. 
But I would invite you now and in the days to come to have a conversation with God, to listen. Where might God be calling you, giving you nudges? Where can you reflect God's love and light into the world? Certainly, as a church, we believe that we are blessed to be a blessing and share the blessing of Christ. And as a body of Christ, we know that God calls us to share that blessing in many ways. And so many of you do that in lots of different ministries here, whether you use your unique gifts and talents to be a youth leader or to lead worship, to teach adult Sunday school classes or, or play in the music ministry or the choir or serve in our mission ministry. Just a couple of weeks ago, almost 200 people participated here making 60,000 meals to bless our neighbors in Guatemala. And of course, there are those people who bless our children through teaching them Sunday school and, and encore on Wednesday nights and in choir. And there are many people who provide prayer and care for those going through difficult times through the various congregational care ministries. One of those congregational care ministries is Stephen Ministry. And we announced last week that we just commissioned a new incredible class of Stephen ministers. One of the things that we do during the Stephen ministry training is we ask these new Stephen ministers, or about to be Stephen ministers, why they feel called to Stephen ministry. And there's lots of different answers, lots of people who've had the call longer than others. But there's one story that I remembered as I was thinking about this this week. Not long ago, one of our newly commissioned Stephen ministers' wife was dying. And a Stephen minister went to his house and sat with him and talked with him and prayed with him. It was such a blessing to him. And following that time, he felt the call to become a Stephen minister so that he could continue to share that blessing with others. And I am confident that with God's help, he will reflect God's light and love to others, blessing them. God blesses each one of us with hope and promises of everlasting future. And we're called to share that blessing with others. Many of you know that recently we have had a lot of losses in our church family. Lots of memorial services for ones we love. And I've had the immense privilege of celebrating the lives of people who have been blessings to so many. And I've been honored to share the stories of people who shared the love of Jesus and made an impact on God's kingdom by reflecting that love of God in all that they said and did. In one of those services a couple months ago, I remembered that this particular church member had shared a poem earlier in the summer at her birthday. And it was a poem about footprints, and I've shared that before, about how she hoped to leave faithful footprints for those who followed after. And as I looked out in her service and I looked at her children and her grandchildren and all of those people that were there, I realized she did just that with God's help. She left faithful footprints. And that's my prayer for us, that we would leave faithful footprints of faith and blessing on this earth. 
And finally, as we go back to the very beginning where we started, to how we looked at how the very word of God brought blessing into barrenness. The word of God is so powerful. And here at this church, we want to make sure that we get that word of God into as many hands as possible. And I do want you to know that at our 9.30 and 11 o'clock services, we are presenting Bibles to our three-year-old Sunday school class and our third graders. Because we want for all people, from the youngest to the oldest, the good news that God created and chooses us, that we are part of God's family, that God is connected to us intimately, and that God will be with us every step of the way. With God, those children and us are blessed to be a blessing. Friends, let's answer that call. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.